So Amazon Prime Day is coming up. I know that we don't necessarily love Amazon because Jeff Bezos, but I know Amazon Prime Day is coming up and I just looked up Amazon Prime in Canada and unfortunately Amazon Prime Day in Canada is canceled or slash postponed due to COVID. And I feel like a child who's gotten their candy taken away from them or something. I feel like I'm being reprimanded, not into it, don't like it. So please everybody go get their vaccines so that we can have Amazon Prime Day. Anyways, of course, what's up? This is the Hacker Noon Podcast and my name is Amy Tom. Today, I am joined with Anil Kumar, who is the Director of Project Management at Couchbase. How are you doing, Anil? Hey, I'm doing good, Amy. And thanks for having me on your show. uh, No worries. Today, we are going to get into some information about Couchbase and Kubernetes and also cloud strategy. But before we get into that, I want to ask you a few questions about you. How long have you been the project manager at Couchbase? Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah. so Amy, sorry, I'll just make one correction. So it's product management, but yeah, so I've been in product the- Product management, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've been uh, with the Couchbase for eight plus years. And when I joined Couchbase, we were maybe 30, 30 35 people in the company. And today wow. we are more than 600 people. Yeah, so- Wait, how long ago was that? It was eight years back, a very tiny company in Mountain View, California. And mm-hmm. it was, for me, it was, it was a big change. And before coming to Couchbase, I was in Microsoft. And we all know Microsoft is a is a big company. And even a smallest team in Microsoft is in the size of like 60 or 70 people. Right? So, And so uh, it was a big change for me to join a big company, from a big company to a small, tiny mm-hmm. company. But yeah. uh, the journey has been amazing. Got to learn a lot, many things, and uh, help shape the product in and, and multiple ways. My 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 journey in Couchbase. So, did you say thirty-five? Number thirty-five, you were? Yeah, I think not specifically, but like Like-ish. maybe in the thirties. Okay. Yeah, thirties or forties. <laughs> so now, are there other people that you worked with from the beginning that are still at Couchbase as well? Yeah, we still have a lot of folks. That makes me actually very happy because the, especially the core engineering team, uh, we started building from the beginning. Uh, most of those guys are still there. And so I'm proud and happy that you know, uh, you know, we, we all share the same goal and same passion for building yeah. a, the uh, you know, first class uh, database. And so that's actually makes me even uh, stick around here for some more long time because it's, it's, it's like, you know, the, it's all the people and family we have created here. Mm-hmm. Eight years is a long time for one company. <laughs> yeah. The longest I have worked at one company was almost three years. And by the end of it, I was quite honestly bored. <laughs> so I don't know what made you, what motivated you to continue and to grow within Couchbase? Yeah. And, and by the way, this was not the first time. So I, I worked in Microsoft for seven plus years. So Oh my it, gosh. Yeah, so, so okay. I'm, you're a long-termer. Yeah, I'm a I long-termer see. <laughs> uh, but mainly it was like the, uh, with the coach base, when I joined, although I joined as a product manager, but I was put on to doing multiple, I was changing my hats every second in my opinion, but it was like, I, I did the training, uh, I played a role of solution architect, and then I also helped with the help our CEO uh, do some legal stuff. So I was doing multitasking, multi-things, political things, which was great experience, right? Uh, uh, one of the reasons why I joined Couchbase was mainly to 
get that kind of experience and exposure. Mm-hmm. And it was the right fit. And uh, yeah, but from there on, we obviously started building team and we have now full-fledged legal team, full-fledged partner team, uh, solution architect team. But uh, I can still always go back and say, hey, I, I remember those early days. I talked to those customers. I was the solution architect. Innovation we have been doing is amazing, in my opinion. The world-class team and the clear differentiation in, the, in terms of product. Uh, every feature we think through and make sure that these are uniquely built and uh, clearly differentiates the, in, the, in the market, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things which I'm passionate about is the customer obsession we have in the company. So it's all about customer, uh, the challenges with the customer. How mm-hmm. are we, what solution are we being going to build? How is it going to solve the customer challenge? And do you talk to the customers directly as the product manager, as yes, the director? Yes, um, like 100% of the time, I would say. Okay. So, I have a great relationship with our customers and they trust me and I think that makes me even uh, very happy. And whenever I uh, tweet or uh, blog, uh, put a blog or you know post something on the LinkedIn, I can uh, certainly say most of the customers do respond and say they, they congratulate me or mm-hmm. uh, talk about it. Yeah, because they know you because you've been there for you know eight me. years. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many people do you manage? So at this point, I have only one person I'm managing. At okay. one point, I had a team of three or four people. But as we transition there, we, when we see the one of the things which we have done also in Couchbase is we encourage people to move around if they like to uh, explore another area. And mm-hmm. uh, in some cases, we say, hey, you're a great fit for this team. And you know you have some creative ideas and you'll be valuable in this team. And so we do transition them. Mm, okay. Because I'm just wondering, maybe this is a selfish question for me, but with Hacker Noon, I started working at Hacker Noon maybe six, seven months ago at this point, and we have grown the team almost 2x since I've been here. And so my question to you is, how did you grow within this team when so many new employees and new people were coming when you're used to wearing so many hats and now you are maybe a little more siloed. Yeah, no, truly. I think at one point I would remember everybody's name. So it was like, you you could reach out and be like, I know this guy and I know he does. But yeah, so now the team is bigger and you know it's it's not possible to like know everyone in the company. But it's one way we have at least the the idea for me was like we have the product team concept. So each of those products we build, they have a product team, and this is a core product team, right? So it includes engineering, QE, product management, project management, and then also support. Um, so it becomes a, a team which is solving this customer problem, and there's no sorry. So there's no uh, ambiguity or there's no, you know, the focus is very clear, right? It's like, and uh, everyone is aligned on the same goal. And so this product team concept is what I really love. And then uh, for the multiple products which I manage, I I work on this product team concept. Okay, yes. So let's talk about the actual work that you do, the product that you're managing, or I guess like really what it means to be a product manager. I feel that's really, it's a vague title. (laughs) So what are you managing? Tell me more about that. So product manager is more of like the, I would say there's different terms like product owner or someone Mm -hmm. who's, we call it as an entrepreneur or or like the mini CEO of the product. So there are many terms we use. They are truly enablers, right? So it's like the, when you think about from the conceptual of the idea, like from the idea to execution and bringing it to the the market and making it successful. So there is a, is a, the entire life cycle. And uh, the product manager's role, it's a tough job, to be honest with you, because it, it's like 
you have to have uh, you need to have a lot of research and uh, understanding of the industry the customer pain points uh, really deeply understand those and then start building the product right so you have to have a business justification uh, see how this is aligned with the co- company's vision and uh, also think about the uh, how this product is going to grow so, mm. so that and then again uh, convincing engineering is not easy obviously our mm-hmm. engineers are the smartest engineers and making sure that we are utilizing this, their time and resource and for the right product and the right the uh, capabilities right so and taking through that execution getting it out of the door and then making it successful which is where you'll be working with the field and support and uh, sales to uh, talk to the customers and adopt and then come back with the feedback so it's a full time like you no know, yeah. uh, make sure you you are the truly a product owner yeah so would you say you're like the bridge between development and business side actually speaking you're a bridge for everything <laughs> <laughs> so right from right from the customer engineering field sales legal you name it like pretty much your bridge for everything okay then how do you not let people walk all over you yeah it's a, as i said you have to look, so once you start working as a product manager you will learn on the job but you will start learning those skills it's a people management is very important domain expertise is also really important right so you need to know the domain very really well and then obviously as i said you'll be working with the like the you know broad spectrum of all the people so you need to know what they expect and who are the stakeholders what their what their expectation is so you have to it's as you start working on this as a product management you'll start get, getting those skills mhm would you say that you're a natural people person i think so mhm yeah because i think that to do that job especially yeah. to manage all those shareholders and moving parts you need right. to be really good at talking to people how yeah yeah talking to people building relationship is is relationship very, building very mm-hmm. important yeah yeah especially with the the customers uh, like you were talking about engaging yes. with them on linkedin and things like that building right. engagement and relationship with the customers i feel that it would be more challenging to do that if you were maybe like more introverted or less people focused yeah. maybe more like a developer mindset kind of deal what was your educational background in i did my masters and uh, bachelor's both in computer science um, so, okay. Uh, okay. So it wasn't in like a business realm. It really was in like the technical side of things. Yes. Before becoming a product manager, that transition happened in Microsoft. I was actually an engineer, like a software uh, oh, okay. engineer, but mainly my domain expertise was on the database and database data replication uh, and scalability and all of that. And then from there, uh, I transitioned to program manager, uh, the role in Microsoft. And from there, when I joined Couchbase, it was product manager. Okay. So. Do you think that you if you could go back and do it again would you have gone into more of the business route first then get into technical or are you happy that you did the technical and then went more into learning about business Yeah no I I yeah I think for any industry it is important to have that foundation and I feel like it was a right right thing to do for me was to learn the foundation very well right so uh, mm-hmm. because if I'm going to build a product and if I so it was important to understand like maybe uh, to become an engineer you would know how to build the product first and then from there you start looking at like are we solving the right set of problems for the customer and what's the business uh, side of it and so then you move into the business side of it so it's that's in my opinion i think that was a good transition for me yeah. mhm yeah makes sense cool yeah. okay so i want to ask you about uh, kubernetes about resource yeah. con- consumption about cloud portability how did you learn all of that on the job i did learn on the job and the main thing about in fact one of the thing which i have done so in one second 
So yeah, so I learned it on the job and it was mainly, uh, this was a cutting edge technology back in 2016 and 2016, 2017. And I was very interested in learning about this technology because there was definitely a, a kind of a hype cycle, which was like with containers mm-hmm. and Docker and stuff, but Kubernetes was emerging. And you know, I think uh, there was a increasing, like the op- this open source project was getting a lot of interest from the developers. And I started learning about it. And in fact, I became so interested that in fact, uh, when we launched a product in 2018, I wrote a book on the Kubernetes. So, oh, uh, yeah. So it wow. was a, yeah. So it was good complementary to the, the product launch because I wanted to make the launch successful. The idea was like, it was like the, the coach base on Kubernetes is a, it was first in the industry to build a complex distributed database running on a Kubernetes technology. And so, yeah. Uh, the, uh, I think uh, no, that's, as I said, uh, I was very much interested in this, in mm-hmm. the, these technologies. Okay. So you're saying like back in 2017, 2016, it was common to make a clump, complex system based on Kubernetes structure. Yeah. What is it? What is the trend moving towards now? So the, there was a, so in this case, let me tell you a bit of a small, a short story. I think it will be important to set the context here. Okay. Um, so if you, if I, if I look back and 20, 13, 2014, and again, in, the, in those years, um, there was, as I said, like, yeah, there was a hype cycle with the containers and Docker container, especially, you know, those conferences were like, in, had a attendance of in thousands and stuff. But so you can see there was a lot of interest from the developers who wanted to adopt this technology. And those were a really a great fit for stateless applications. When I say stateless, these are your applications which uh, doesn't store, have any persistence data, right? So they don't, there is no storage for those. But okay. when you think about database, it's a it's a it's a, uh, a stateful application, which is it, uh, you need to uh, store uh, persist the data onto the disk, right? And so there was initial hindrance or like you know the skepticism about like adopting containers for database. And so this is as I said, like back in 2013, 2014, there you'll see a lot of articles were published, and from really some of the industry people, which was like, hey, is database a good fit for containers? We should not run containers, database on a containers. Like, there were those kind of uh, articles published. Yeah. And fast forward. Well, that was like 2013 then? Yeah. That was 2013, 2014, right? Okay. And, and even till 2016. Fast forward 2019, the same folks or even like the other folks started writing the articles. Yes, the database is a good fit for containers, <laughs> uh, but maybe not for production. And mm-hmm. then now 2021, uh, the database are mainstream, going mainstream on containers and Kubernetes. Right? So why? Because okay. it, yes, the, the maturity of the, the technology itself and the, in terms of the, the, what we had available at that time, yes, there was a lot of those. It required the maturity and then all the stuff to come together. So, but our journey in this case was like, we in fact started way, way ahead uh, of uh, other databases. Our co-founder of the company, Dustin Sailing, at the time he was the highest, uh, one of the highest contributor to Memcache project. He in fact uh, was doing a experiment of running Couchbase on Docker container uh, when the Docker itself was in the alpha state, like in the point. Oh, wow. Database. Okay. And so yeah. it goes back to 2013. And in 2016, we took a one step ahead and then we launched Couchbase on containers as a production deployable, right? So it was ready for the yeah. production. Most of the customers did not want to go run Couchbase on containers, but our goal was like we wanted to stand as a thought leaders in the industry. Mm-hmm. Right? And from 2016 to 2018, we launched the Couchbase on Kubernetes. 
And now if you look, if I look at, we've been praised as one of the thought leaders in the database for adopting the containers. And we have, this service has become a fastest growing service in Couchbase. And there's a huge excitement in the customers, right? So mm-hmm. you can see that it was a vision which we had from a few years back. And we have been uh, trying to work on that vision and become a cloud native database now. Right. Okay. And I, I guess why Kubernetes though? Because I know that I, t- I talked to Matt Ingrenthrone about this a little bit as well in one of our previous episodes, but why would you use Kubernetes? Because it, it's complex, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good question. When we first started uh, using the, the commodity computing, there, there are many overheads associated with uh, managing the data center, like power and cooling, uh, maintaining the network switches and routers. And then the, the servers and storage themselves were a little more complex. So what changed was the automated orchestration started happening and that made more efficient, but in the end, it was the managed cloud that was uh, the real game changer in mapping. Right? So the physical resources replaced by virtual and uh, you know, with the, and could be created with the click of a button. Uh, so the benefits were better resource utilization and vastly improved uh, the time to market. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but without the, the, the traditional procurement and leading the cost savings and stuff. So however, yeah. the, this virtual machines, they still needed a management. They, they needed security policies, auditing and monitoring. What uh, now the comes coming into the Kubernetes, it's a next giant leap forward, right? It's uh, delegating these requirements to the cloud operator, leaving the business to concentrate on creating and deploying their applications. Right? And I think that's where the Kubernetes has become, a, for the last few years, it has become a big giant leap forward in the in terms of technology. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's it, where I want to layer on the aspect of like cloud portability, cloud strategy too. Does it not get even more complicated in that instance if I am using like a hybrid cloud or a cross cloud strategy? Yeah, no, that's a good question. In my opinion, the Kubernetes may be complex, but it is not an unnecessarily complex, right? So okay. what that I mean by that is like, in fact, the complexity of container orchestration has led to the advancement of Kubernetes as a leader in like simplifying and deploying and management of the containers. So relatively speaking, whatever complexity the, is attributed to Kubernetes is significantly lower than what we find when attempting to deploy application at scale with the plain old Docker or Docker container. So mm-hmm. it is solving those problems in my opinion. But coming to the question of uh, the cloud portability, when it came into the existence, the Kubernetes, it was considered as a cl- the container orchestration, but his, it has evolved much more. It has become a cloud agnostic, infrastructure agnostic solution. It can be uh, you know, it's highly extensible, so you can extend and uh, you know, you know, build your application on the Kubernetes. And But mainly customers love the Kubernetes mainly for, when, when you think about when you build a application on Kubernetes, now they, the CNCF, which is the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, has this certified Kubernetes platform. And every vendor, Kubernetes vendor, who wants to be, uh, wants to have a Kubernetes service has to go through the certification. And so that certification uh, makes, shows that they are compatible. They are, they, all the APIs which are available through the Kubernetes API, uh, Kubernetes open source Kubernetes are certified on those platforms, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So what that means is that if I build my application today, I should be able to port this upon the open source Kubernetes to run on any of the managed Kubernetes service and it should work fine. With, uh, How long does that process take? 
So it should not take much because, like as I said, the APIs are exactly the same, right? Mm. Yes, each cloud has their own. Although they do add some more capabilities on top of it, they have a different policies for security. Like the some cloud date and the security patches much often than others. But mm-hmm. but the idea is like you should be build build once and run anywhere is the mm. the core idea. Okay, I wanted to ask you about the companies that operate on this kind of structure and system, and I guess I want to know specifically the trend towards moving to the system and the just the fact that you mentioned that this is the now like the most trending product that Couchbase has, right, or service. What were people on before moving to this, and why would they have moved? You know what I mean. I sure. want to know what is a common structure alternative to this that mm-hmm. this would be better. Okay, sure. I think that's a big question. Before before the uh, this whole containers and Kubernetes, the typically customers would deploy Couchbase. They are very much performance conscious. They will be deploying it on the bare metal itself, like on the physical machine. Right? Yeah. Um, to so that they can get the highest and best performance. Mm-hmm. But if they are uh, cost. Uh, if they're looking at optimizing the cost, and if they have multiple uh, applications running, so they would deploy it on a virtualized environment, like on VM instances. So in both the cases, so they would typically automating uh, automating those database operation. They would write uh, scripts, right? So they would write those best practices scripts to manage the the Couchbase cluster, provisioning, scaling, maintenance, and upgrade, and all of those operations. So they would write those scripts. Mm-hmm. And so they would maintain those scripts, right? So there would be a, so you'd see that typically what we we seen in the in, in our customer base is they will become a Couchbase champions. There will be one or two or three four folks who become Couchbase champions who knows yeah. Couchbase in and out. They will start building those scripts. They uh, write the scripts themselves. Those, those scripts to uh, and they can use Chef, Ansible, Puppet, or whatever those tools they uh, have to like basically automate those operations and. And that was the trend, or that was the case for last uh, many years. Right? Mm-hmm. And what has changed now is because the in this case, like this Couchbase champions now they have to build those scripts, maintain those, and then if there is a new version comes, they have to go and again update those scripts. So there is a lot of activity which they have to do. Right? With the uh, with with containers and Kubernetes, what happens is we embed the best practices within the containers itself. And with the autonomous operator for Kubernetes, now we have automated all our best practices. So basically, we are taking away that that job which uh, the uh, DevOps or the, uh, engine, the dev- database engineer was doing. We are taking away that job, and we are simplifying it. So the experts of Couchbase who built the Couchbase product, they have they provide those best practices guidelines, and we are automating those best practices guidelines. So uh, these are some really complex oper- uh, operations we do. For example, if we have a hundred node uh, Couchbase cluster, and you want to upgrade this Couchbase cluster, and this is a mission critical application, so you want to make sure there is no downtime, and if there is a uh, if there is any glitches, how do we handle those? Uh, so all of that the customer had to handle this before. Now with the operator, I mean, we automate the whole operation. So it, mm. it takes care of all those edge case scenarios. And with our all expert, uh, with our experience working with customers, we have included those best practices guidelines. Right? Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, it's, it reduces the operational cost significantly. So we have got quotes from customers that it has reduced the operational cost by 90 to 95%. Mm. And what kind of is, industries are these customers in? They, they, they span across multiple industries. We have customers in the um, travel, uh, in the retail, as well as in financial uh, industries. And so mm-hmm. they, we have multiple. And again, as I said, uh, when I say this is the fastest growing, it's in 
it's another the customer adoption has like been significantly higher on. Okay, and I guess okay, maybe this is a dumb question, but because I think one of the benefits of Couchbase, I believe, is auto scalability. But I guess when people are on the this like Kubernetes structure, do they have to worry about how large their database becomes or how much querying they're doing? So, uh, and, and if you're asking to a database person, and again, uh, in general, any database person will tell you like it's a it's the the domain expertise. Like someone who has worked in this database knows really well. Uh, now, what are the complexities of scaling? It's not just, mm-hmm. I, I want to add a uh, more capacity and I'll throw some more uh, nodes to the cluster because that has its own implications. So when you add nodes to the cluster, we have to rebalance, uh, like we have to sharp, uh, basically redistribute the data and depending on the size of the data, if we have terabytes of data sitting uh, on each nodes, now we have to redistribute all the data across all those new nodes, right? That's a, it uh, utilizes network you are, if you have a heavy traffic coming in, you have to make sure that it doesn't impact those, uh, the, uh, the incoming traffic. So there's a lot of intelligence built into that. So we, what used to happen before is like most of our customers, in this case, DevOps or database engineers, they learned over the job time or the, the, what stats to look at, what metrics mm-hmm. to look at. And based on those and their experience, they would basically scale when the cluster is in a not non-peak time frame, and then they will scale up the cluster. But it, it required a lot of intelligence, right? It's a lot of thinking about like when to scale and how to uh, complete this whole operation. What we have done, and this is where I think uh, we are becoming more and more autonomous database, is that we taking those complex operations and fully automating them. And so in our recent release, which is which actually went live yesterday, the Couchbase Autonomous Operator 2.2, we launched the auto scaling of Couchbase services, and so mm-hmm. we are giving this capability to the those DevOps engineers or the database engineers. They can put their uh, those uh, business logics, which is I want to scale my cluster when I hit some threshold, it, whether it could be a system threat like CPU, memory, storage, network, disk, whatever, or it could be like hey, I want to I'm anticipating that I'm going to get more traffic and I need to add more capacity. So whatever yeah. those metrics, uh, they can put those thresholds and the system, the Couchbase operator will automatically scale up their services. How did that differ from what you had before 2.2 though? Before we scaled the cluster, it was manual operation in some sense. Like you would basically say, uh, I am looking at all these metrics and I want to scale up my cluster. You'd come and basically make a change in your YAML file, which is a configuration file. Uh, and this, when the uh, operator sees that there's a change in the configuration, it will go and scale up the cluster. But mm-hmm. it was not fully automated, right? It was uh, uh, semi-automated in some sense. Right? Okay. So now it's like once you define those thresholds and you don't, uh, and then the rest of the things, which is like operator will manage, look at those metrics. And then when those thresholds are hit, it will go and scale up the cluster. Ah, okay. And so the, is it the same with auto downscaling? Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty elastic now, right? So yeah. it's, you can scale up and you scale down. Ideally, for production use cases, obviously, we tell customers it's a database. It's not a stateless application. So when you're scaling down, make sure that uh, you know, it doesn't impact your SLAs and impact mm-hmm. your uh, performance. Because when you're scaling down, obviously, it's basically reducing the capacity, but also there is a redistribution of the data again. So it might impact your data. But if you're, there are services in Couchbase like Query, which is the the nickel service, that is a stateless. And yes, you can scale up and scale down uh, depending on your business uh, needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So what advice would you have for 
a company or a business leader who's looking to potentially move their data operations into Kubernetes structure? Yeah, that's a great question. Been talking to any of our customers and techno from last few years. Initially, they said they went to they wanted to adopt Couchbase on containers and Kubernetes for use cases for test and development in the initially. And then that changed to uh, like use cases which are production use cases, but not mission critical, like, like you know, small use cases. But then now I have seen customers are adopting this for like even production use cases, mission critical use cases, because of all the confidence they have got through the platform. But mainly it's a what business problem you are trying to solve, right? Again, as I said earlier, if you are already modernizing your your uh, platform, you have already uh, going. To, uh, you're already picked the containers and Kubernetes for your applications, and you have containerized your applications. You're running your microservices architecture on on containers and Kubernetes. Then you want to. In that case, it makes total sense to run your database also in the same architecture because then you can remove that impedance mismatch. Your DevOps can now manage both stateless and stateful applications together on the same platform. And it's, uh, in terms of business, it will be faster time to market and ability to like, consolidation of multiple platforms. So it's like it helps in mm -hmm. multiple ways. And also, as I, we talked about, uh, uh, one of your goals is about being on the like, have a hybrid cloud strategy or multi-cloud strategy. This uh, uh, Kubernetes will significantly help there. Mm, okay, so ask yourself, what is my business goal, essentially? Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. All right. Anil, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time. I thought this was great. Yeah, thank you so much. And like I said, thanks for uh, having me in your show. Oh, the one thing I want to ask you too, before we go, what? Yeah. when did you release your book? It was released back in, in 2018, August. So it, okay. uh, we launched our uh, product, 1.0. I wanted to basically uh, make a splash uh, to have a like marketing splash, and so we launched this book. It became the number three top book in 2019, but obviously it's it's been two years now. But at at one point, it was uh, Book Authority gave it as a awarded as a number three book in the Kubernetes. Oh, this that's so exciting! Congratulations. Okay, Thank great. So What's the book called? It's it's called Couchbase on Kubernetes. It is available on our uh, Couchbase site as well as very on creative. <laughs> just a very creative title. Okay, great. Anel, where can we find you and what you're working on online? Yeah, uh, definitely you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn as well as on Twitter. Yeah, if and you can definitely reach out to me at, uh, at my email address, anil.couchbase.com. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Amy. If you like this episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast, don't forget to do all the things. Like it, share it, subscribe to it, share it with your friends. This episode was edited by audio wizard Alex, hosted by me, Amy Tom, and produced by Hacker Noon. Stay weird, and I'll see you on the internet. Goodbye.